welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm your host, Barbara. And now for something completely different, we have Barbara and Morgana and Soraya talking about life, the universe, and Babylon 5. It's a lot of fun and happy April Fool's Day. Babylon 5 was way too prescient about the stuff. And, and, you know, of course, he's basing so much of it on World War II. So it's like it's prescient, but it's also the past repeating yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah. Which, which he does over and over in his scripts. He, you know, the whole throwing in the Arthurian mythos so that you, you have yeah. this repeating itself and the idea of the war in heaven again repeating itself. Yep. You know, he he's he's still my favorite TV writer ever. And I I like I think most of his stuff. Cuz he did Jeremiah, yeah. which I really liked. I also like that he can't he ended it instead of doing what the TV stations wanted him to do yes. with it. You know, cuz they wanted basically basically sex and violence and he said, "Nope. Not doing it." Yeah. I don't remember what else he's done off the top of my head. I don't either. And I should. I know I generally like stuff that his name is on more often than not. And this is J. Michael Straczynski we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, we should have probably mentioned that. You all are supposed <laughs> to psychically know that. <laughs> or you're all supposed to be Bab 5 nerds. And, and it's funny with Babylon 5 because Babylon 5 was so ahead of its time. Because it had, they, I mean, they were the first TV show to use CGI. Yep. Which, of course, now looks terrible by oh, comparison yeah. to what we can do it's now. It's quaint. But at the time, yeah, at the time, that that was totally new. Uh, they shot everything in 16 by 9 instead of 4 yep. by 3. Um, they had an arc story, which the only other shows that even came close were, were Twin Peaks and uh, X-Files. Yep. And X-Files. But unlike Twin Peaks. <sighs> And but unlike Twin Peaks and X Files, Straczynski had the whole five year story planned out along with the history of the universe back like a hundred thousand years. Yes, because so that, he's that awesome. So he wasn't pulling it out of his back pocket, as it were, like Chris Carter right. was doing, where you know right. he took he did not take into account his obsessive fans like me who could remember every damned episode and what happened and how, when he put a plot hole, the size of Montana in his arc, someone would notice that. And he did. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of us, dude. You, you screwed that up, man. Chris Carter, I will never forgive you. And uh, even uh, the BSG reboot where, you know, they, they listed the wrong number of Cylons at one point and didn't even realize it. And then they were like, oh, oh, how do we fix this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Oops. <laughs> and, then the, and then the ending of that made no sense. And they admitted they didn't have an end for it. And it's like, how do you do something like this and not have an end? Yeah. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> It's like, oh, every, everyone was ghosts. Oh, oh okay, great. You know, thanks, thanks, guys. I like that. It's like you started good. I Thank wish you, you had a so more, well. <laughs> more of a full plan going forward. I know they started so well. I, I, I say this, and people get on me for liking Lost, but if you watch like the first episode of Lost, 
I think it's the first in the first couple episodes, they foreshadow everything that happens over the next few yes, years. Yes, they had a plan. Yes, and th- the plan got sidetracked a little bit because ABC said, we want more seasons than than you're, you're planning on, so can you just add more? And so they had to... Not totally yeah, their fault. They had to improvise. They had to tread water for a while. They had to improvise a little bit. Yeah, and I get people who didn't like the end, who felt that it was incomplete or, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't answer questions. And I'm like, but that's what I liked about it. Like you're left with mystery at the end. Yes. Mystery is okay, but totally stuff that's just out of left field weird and doesn't make sense. That's like, oh, everybody's ghosts. Uh, Yeah. It's like, how does this? Never mind. Why did I watch this? Yeah. All right, because I started it. Yeah. Yeah. And you never get that with Babylon 5. You're always like, okay, this all makes sense. It hangs together. And it's... It hits so many themes. Yes, and we weren't prepared for that when it started because no one did stuff like that. At the end of the first season, and you see the first shadow ship, and I went, oh, that was awesome. They're totally never going to continue anything about that because... That was how TV shows were. They'd give you some cool little thing and then never do anything yep. with it. So when they started doing stuff with the shadows, it was like, oh, wait, you're actually going to do something with this? Those cool <laughs> ships? Yeah. Ooh. And yeah. then they were really, really creepy. And then you're like, <laughs> the the shadow vessels have eternally made the noise they make. Gives me the feeling of negative energy. Yeah, like mm. so accurately. Well, if, I, I, if I remember right, the, the noise was like supposed to be the pilot screaming right? in pain or it something. It is. Yeah. And I'm just like, I associate it with bad juju <laughs> so efficiently. <laughs> yeah. I had talked a friend of mine into watching it. And I mean, the first season's kind of hit. Yeah. This. Yeah. There's some amazing episodes like uh, the the one with Babylon, the older Babylon man, the time four, travel right. one. Babylon 4, right. I, I thought it was Babylon 4, but I wasn't sure. And that was like Babylon Squared, I think mm-hmm. is the name of that one. I mean, there's some really good episodes in there. And then there's some that are just kind of like, eh. And then the second season, it picks up and most of the episodes are pretty good. And then the third and fourth season are just not, you can't stop watching yeah. it. But I got a friend of mine into it. I said, just be patient with the first season. And he got into it. Of course, it gets into sort of the political World War II type of thing. And he's like, this is really good. I'm like, yeah, wait till the Lovecraftian stuff starts. And he's like, how how is there going to be Lovecraftian stuff? And then it works its way in with the shadows and stuff. And he's going, oh, my God, this is even cooler now that they've worked that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that show. I'm and I grew up as a as a serious Star Trek the original series Uber nerd. Mm. Like you know, <laughs> like I have a you know, people have personal Jesus that lives in their head. I have personal Spock who lives in my head. You know, because when I was 12, I decided if I was a Vulcan, I would not suffer as much around my dysfunctional family. So Spock lived in my head when I was 12 and Fair yeah, enough. That, that's part of why I have the sort of a not very mobile expression on my face most of the time, because it's still in there. Mm. Um, 
but you know, I, I it it helped me live to adulthood, so it worked. Uh, but I the, felt terrible because thing- I finally watched Babylon Five, and I'm like, you know, I think I like it better than Star Trek. I'm sorry, <laughs> personal Spock. I still love you though. The- and the writing, I mean, so much of it was like people, I, I heard people complain, well, it's not, the conversations aren't realistic. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter though, because it's, it's poetic. Yes. You know, like though, especially the way certain characters would talk like Jakar and stuff yes. would just be so poetic. And it's like, who cares if it sounds like a conversation between two people, the point is made in a very artful sort of way. And also, it's not a conversation between two people. It's a conversation between a Narn who eventually becomes a prophet. <laughs> and if, right. he's, if you're a prophet, you get to talk however you want. You can be as flowery as need be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because those prophets in the Bible, they were certainly talking like your everyday person, you know. Just... <laughs> One of my favorite parts is when he writes that whole con- new constitution and and they, they you know, they they apply everything and everything's done and he walks in he's like i rewrote it it's better and they're like no no we can't redo it and then they read it and the one girl's like i I don't remember which character it was goes damn it it is better i remember that i love that and i love um that he wrote the book of jakar like the book of jaquan and i just i love he's my favorite character so big surprise he is talking to the other also the other right. is in right. all through that series. Oh yes. Yep. Yeah, it appealed to me on so many levels, and 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 the you know the Lovecraftian idea of these other races being out there who to to us are like gods, you know, yeah. that mold humanity. Like, yeah, that, like the. the the, the conversation like the the well most of them aren't interested in yeah. us and i think there's a, there's a quote somewhere about us being like ants in the playground yes you know they don't even care that we exist they have no interest in us whatsoever they're so far beyond us that we're like ants in the playground to them right and then there's two really nosy ones <laughs> yeah yeah and well and the thing is you know they they he does such a great job of making the uh, the Vorlons look like angels. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like guys against these dark shadows. And then as it goes on, you realize it's really just two different ideologies. It's not good against bad. Yeah. It's cooperation it's more order versus chaos. Almost. Order versus chaos or yeah. cooperation versus competition. Yeah. Which I still think that, that both of those survival techniques are hardwired into human humans' brains sort of as a yes. part of our collective unconscious. And each of those uh, survival mechanisms is useful in different situations to different degrees. Absolutely. And we have to, to be wise. We have to choose between the two of them every day and work with it yep. every day. But that's how I saw the, you know, that's, that's the difference between their questions. Who are you and what do you want? Yeah, yeah. And when they brought in uh, Zathras, <laughs> that, Zathras that is the could... best. Not the Zathras one. is the unsung hero of all of Babylon Five. <laughs> and uh, I can't remember the 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 name of the 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 first one there. Oh, Lorian. That he, 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 
Zahadoom. Lorian, the Lorian, yes. I mean, those conversations were just because that's the thing like tick and talk. Yeah, Babylon 5 introduced this very heavy, deep style of conversation into mainstream television. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of deep philosophy going on, you know. And again, nobody did that. Yeah. Again, and that's a whole near-death experience right there. Yes. Because essentially this alien or other or other intelligence or other consciousness catches the captain when he falls and before he dies basically says, well, you're between one second uh, being alive and the next second being dead. You're in the middle. Choose. Mm Mm-hmm. And and that's yeah, they, they, what do you choose? And and they they push into there the idea of you know he has plenty to die for, but does he have anything to live for? Mm-hmm. And that's when Delenn comes into such importance. And also, right. there's a whole human and alien hybrid thing with the Membari and human souls yep. Yep. going into each race. And yeah. I'm just like, okay. Okay, Straczynski. Because that's just really cool. He throws all kinds of stuff. You know, it could have come out as somebody throwing everything at the wall and seeing what stuck if it was a bad writer. And it could have been a hot mess. It could have just been just terrible. And it wasn't. That's the beautiful thing. It starts off, like I said, starts off a little rough. But then once he gets into his pacing with it, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And horrible at the same time. Well, yeah, because really horrible things happen. And that's, and that was the other thing I noticed upon watching it when it was on is that, oh my God, things actually change in this. Every episode doesn't end where, where, you know, they begin. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't end with everyone on the bridge crew laughing. (laughs) Okay. We're fine. We broke the prime directive. I'm going (laughs) to. And, and, and I, and I think Voyager was running at the same time at one point. And I noticed, you know, so Babylon 5 is very dark at points. And you see these commercials for Voyager's episodes and they look really dark. And then you watch it and it's not dark. No. And it's like, so are you trying to pull in Babylon 5's audience? If so, you might actually have to be a little dark, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the one of the things that bugs me about sci-fi is that they ex- exclude spirituality so often. Yes. Yeah. And Babylon 5 did not do that. No, not at all. He fully embraces spirituality as almost a fifth science. Yeah. Yeah. And because and, materialism runs through sci-fi constantly. And I'm like, this would be great if it wasn't just so materialist. Yeah. It's like these things can get along. Yeah. Dune pulls it off, I think. I never got into Dune, so I don't I don't know that much about it. Um the original the first book pulls off a reasonable melding of spirituality and science. Um and drug use. <laughs> Cuz yeah. a lot of the spirituality is aided through the use of drugs and body chemistry. Um but Dune manages it. Ray Bradbury manages it. Sometimes. sometimes. And sometimes Ray Bradbury is just like, nope, 
magic's not a thing. He he either goes, I'm gonna do magic now, <laughs> or and writes nah. the October yeah. Country, or he goes, I'm going to write Golden Apples of the Sun and do Rockets now. And very rarely yeah. does he combine the two. And when he does, it's the Velt. Oh, and that's you that's get one of the greatest of his. You stories. get the lions that come out of the technology toy for children and eat the parents. Mm. Um, because they've become real because of the children. Sort of like mechanically there, created tulpas. There is a uh, fiction podcast called the ever, I think it's called everlasting stories or the everlasting stories. And uh, the first and it's, I think it's mostly uh, standalone stories, but there's a series of like five that are, I think, the first thing on the podcast. And one of the elements in this story is an AI, and it's the only uh, existing AI, actual artificial intelligence. And you find out partway through, like it's manifesting to this guy, like a hologram. And the guy goes, why did you choose this form? And he goes, oh, this is who I was in my previous life. And so they explain it as he's a real AI. He has a soul. He used to be human. Uh, he can, because he's using a computer now that he's in, you know, in this computer interface, he can actually remember in clarity his entire past life. Um, and this is the only machine that had enough of a uh, system that mimicked something he could actually incarnate into. Interesting. And I thought that's awesome because I suspect that is how AIs will eventually come about. Probably. And I hope we have enough sense to give them human rights. Oh, we will for a while. (laughs) Humans. But it's like, it's a matter of how do you know something's actually alive? You know, it has some kind of spirit to it. I don't know. It does everything. Everything does, and I tend to rely on my gut feeling. (laughs) But I suppose that's not good enough for legislation when it comes to our AIs. It is. That's that's like the judge who said, "I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it." It, It's it's a really bad way to do legislation. Yeah. When the uh, uh, in uh, Michael Talbot's holographic universe book, he mentions a study. And this kind of broke me for a bit because I wasn't sure what to make of it, um, where they had these two fairly simple robots that would just go about and kind of do random things. And he said after a short period of time, they developed their own particular personalities. Like one, if someone came into the room, they would come out to see them kind of like an animal, you know, and the other one would like to hide away and be by itself. And they were programmed exactly the same way. There's no reason they should be showing behavioral traits. That is odd. And his, and so it's kind of like, so consciousness is just everywhere and it manifests as it can manifest. There's a line in Terry Pratchett that says, they're basically that says consciousness is everywhere and it's something found, something was drifting and alive and waiting and then it found a shape to inhabit and that was how the first steam engine happened was Hmm. the the first locomotive was invented and so that concept that was waiting for a time and for a shape just slipped in and became the ghost in the machine basically interesting 
I had not heard that before. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's um, Raising Steam by Terry Pratchett. Huh. Who is a very fun author. Absolutely. I haven't read his stuff in a while, but I did read a bunch of it back in the day. I, I really like how the Discworld explains magic. concepts like magic. <laughs> I think I started reading him because I really like Douglas Adams and a friend of mine was like, well, then you should check out Terry Pratchett. That's uh, that makes perfect sense that those would be categorized in a s similar conceptual space. Yeah. yeah. It's the sense of humor. Yeah. It's the sense of humor. If not entirely, the, if not the subject matter, it is the sense of humor and some of the takes on humanity. Right, right. Well, I think we've come to a natural stopping place. Okay. Because we all stopped. At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have anything else you want to talk no, to it's about. Like, but, but, you know, if you have a, a thought in your head that needs to come out, please throw it out there for us. Hmm. I, uh, I don't know. There's, uh, I mean, the Travis Walton thing was something I definitely wanted to address at some point. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, we can keep talking about that. We just got distracted by Babylon five and you know, <laughs> that happens. Yeah. and then we can cover every single episode of Babylon five in detail. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> There's only almost, five seasons y'all. I almost think we should do, a like podcast round table just for geek stuff <laughs> so we can all get it out <laughs> the and you know i loved what they were what he was going for with crusade and it really sad yes. that it never actually went anywhere i know i, know. I really like because like when i yeah i liked it when i watched it and then i looked up what the overall story was going to be. And I'm like, Oh my God, I wish he got to do this. Yeah, I know. I was like, Oh, I wanted to see it. And you know, that's, that's the, even today with streaming services, part of the problem is they just drop stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like damn stories finish. Yeah. No, that makes too much sense. Yeah. Well, I mean the, the Netflix thing, apparently Netflix doesn't care about keeping subscriptions they just assume that's a given they're more interested in shows that'll bring in new viewers yeah. so i have lost the know. occasional show i've watched the first season of something and then it just never had a second season and i'm like why yeah. and and i feel like they should give a guarantee to it because there are there are always going to be people who watch it yeah and if you want to keep your your viewers your, your people loyal to you i mean if any of these networks whether they be streaming or not said okay we're gonna let this story finish one way or another people will watch it more oh yeah i i definitely think that's the case hell i'll give them an extra 50 cents a month if like or a dollar a month on my bill if i can actually finish series <laughs> like consistently because they exist and I, I feel too that like stories are so important not not just in the obvious ways but with fiction, you can present ideas without having to prove what you're saying. Yeah. You know, if you throw an idea out there about the paranormal or about reality itself, people will be like, well, what, what's your basis on that? But if you put it in fiction, you can kind of go wherever you want with it. And yeah. then there's, um, a, 
there's a fairly common sort of trope in society for doing that. You know, quite a few things were presented first as fiction. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it helps gain well, acceptance. The uh, And there's lots of stuff in Star Trek that inspired people to actually make the stuff real. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. You know, particularly in Star Trek. Yeah. Look at our You know, phones. Star Wars. <laughs> huh? The good old flip phones. I'm like. Right. Well, you you look at Star Wars and Star Trek. And Star Wars is is fine for myth making, you know. It follows that mythological type of thing, but it didn't really inspire invention. But Star Trek, not good at myth making, but inspired tons of inventions. Yeah. Yes, and you need both in society. Yes. Yeah. We need myths. We need stories because they teach us things and they allow us to experience things without having to experience them in real life. So, like, you can watch a show like Bob Five about an existential threat and the rise of fascism and learn that this is terrible <laughs> and, and you don't want to live through it. not do it in real life. And it also lets you see, it brings us to the stars in our imaginations, which is something that I think all humans need. Agreed. I'm There's snappy a- tonight. <laughs> there is i don't know if either of you have read the john dies at the end stuff yes yes so i think that stuff is a great sort of way of looking at the paranormal like it it, it it's sort of brilliantly done but the guy who wrote it is a complete a-hole an atheist yeah and at the end of the last book, he actually has a thing where he says, if you think you've experienced something weird or paranormal, don't write me about it. You have a serious mental illness. Contact a therapist. Oh, good Lord. And I'm just like, how can you write something that's so on cue, you know, like so well, I mean, not just that he's a good writer, but like the concepts are so like accurate. You know, like the, the ideas are so good basing it on reality, but yet he doesn't believe in any of it. Yeah, that's harsh. That's 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 just wow. Yeah, yeah. And to say someone anyone who experiences this stuff is mentally ill is like, wow, that's what is wrong helping. with you? <laughs> exactly. no, that? Well, once again, all that does is it stigmatizes mental illness which doesn't need yes. stigmatized further and it stigmatizes people who have experiences. So that doesn't need stigmatized further either. And we don't need to tie them together necessarily. And that's just kind of a jerk, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. just like a dick. I, I was shocked when I, when I read that, I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That's really not cool. And he has to know he's playing to that audience. Yeah. Well, there's only one thing to do, and that's everybody bombard him with fake encounters to drive him mad. <laughs> Probably just deletes them. Yeah. Has his- <laughs> no, send them on paper. Send him paper of things. <laughs> Force him to use it as kindling or something. <laughs> but like, and I find that's not unusual though, that people who write some of this stuff are not believers in it and it's kind of like do you write it so that you don't have to believe it you know 
That would make sense. Or that they're trying to trap it in some way to make it, to gain control over it and make it safe in their own words, in their own places, in their own books, so that they can be like, no, I just, I wrote this. This is not real. This is something I created. Yeah. Yeah. And how many experiences are just ignored that the brain just filters out? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I've mentioned a few times recently is like, how often are we walking down the street and encountering the supernatural or the paranormal in some way, but it looks just like everyday life? Yeah. You know, we assume that car driving by was really just a car driving by, but what if it wasn't? We wouldn't know. Yeah. Keel talks, you know, about like an airplane that flew low over people, made no sound and moved too slow to be an airplane, but yet looked like an airplane. Yeah, I've I've had a very low flying what looked like a drone fly over my house and it did not make any noise. And I just initially I was like, oh, it's just somebody's drone and then went inside and it took me about two hours before I was like that made absolutely no sound and was like 15 feet above my head. Well, that's uh, Tim had that experience at site seven where uh, I don't remember who he was walking with. It wasn't Chad. It was before Chad was doing stuff with him. Um, but they saw a drone and they're like, who the hell is flying a drone in here? Like it's wooded. It's not someplace you could easily fly a drone. Mm-hmm. And then they ran into some kids and the, you know, the kids were kind of like, Oh, that's, uh, uh, you know, thinking they were in trouble or whatever. And they asked them if they, if it was their drone and they're like, Oh, you saw that too. Yeah. yeah. I remember that story. It, it looked like a drone. It, you know, he had no reason to think it wasn't a drone except for the fact that it would have been very hard to pilot a drone where they were. And there was no one else around. Right. Well, and how many flickers in the corner of your eye are actually something there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is... And that, you ahead. know, the way we perceive reality is so indefinite. And I also like talking about this stuff as as if it's just more rare phenomena. I forget who brought that up initially, but I love that idea that this stuff is not paranormal or supernatural. It's not outside the norm. It's just not regularly experienced by everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And if it is regularly experienced, it's not frequent. Right. It's a rare experience. It's a very, very, you know, very rare type of encounter. Yeah. It's not outside of reality. It's not supernatural. It's, it's part of the environment. It's part of being human. It's just not something that happens all the time. And it doesn't happen to any, some people anytime, whether they filter it out or it just doesn't happen to them. Yeah. Like seeing an endangered creature. Right. And you have people who are complete skeptics who will admit, well, this one weird thing did happen, but then they'll talk themselves out of it. Yeah. I love it when they tell you the story and you can see them talking themselves out of it while they're telling you the story. Yes. Yes. That was and I'm always, always astonished, I'm always astonished when, when people act like, you know, like, oh, well, I don't, I don't believe there's unidentified flying objects. It's like, you understand what that means, right? <laughs> Things in our airspace we don't know what are. Like, we're not talking, and again, that's that dichotomy where people say, oh, 
well, it's either you believe in aliens or you don't believe in UFOs. Yeah, I know. It's like, you're, you're, Do you know what UFO stands for? Excuse me. It's like your, your framing of this is completely wrong. <laughs> I'm sure there are aliens. There's probably alien life on every planet in our solar system that we don't recognize. At the same time, I don't think they're the ones flying UFOs across our sky. I think that's something else that's been here all along. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so it's so hard to tell now whether it's us. Yeah. You know, we have so much technology. Well, yeah, and that's that's one of the things that with the disclosure thing that's that's happened now the conspiracy thing that I keep seeing is they're going to try to fake an alien invasion to make us comply with things. <laughs> yeah, and that goes that goes that goes back to Reagan, though. Oh, Reagan I know. Said, oh, that's that's what that whole Star Wars thing was supposed to be about. Right. But people are starting to talk about it more now and, and that, you know, they're going to use holograms or those swarming drones that can make UFOs by coming together like a bird, um, like a murmuration of starlings and make shapes. And, Which uh, right. are both super cool and mildly creepy. Oh, yeah true and and it, it is possible that 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 will happen but you know again those kind of conspiracies are difficult because there's so many moving parts involved in it and yeah, yeah. you know we can't even get everybody to take a damn vaccine i'm I, <laughs> <laughs> but again that's all part of the the dichotomy of our system now where you, you either have to be either or yeah either yeah. you're Either you're, you know, and and it's not like this side will take the vaccine and all thinks the same way, and this side won't take oh, it. Oh God, no, <laughs> no, it's mixed up now. Yeah, we I got mean, people some, on every side who will and won't. <laughs> some of it's people who don't want to be told what to do. Some of it's people who, well, the vaccine's not necessarily proven safe. What are going to be the side effects ten years down the line? You know, I mean, which is very of, rational. Yes, it's totally rational. So it's kind of like, well, you know, and some of it's political. Oh, well, yeah. you know, Fox News told me not to get it. Yeah, okay, great. You know, you realize all the people on Fox News got vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which boggles my mind because it's like you're killing <laughs> off viewership. What are you doing? I know. Um, they're now funny. now they're telling them to get the vaccine, but they've told them so many times not they poisoned to, the well already it, it's yeah. i was like guys just oh boy okay never and mind. i understand the concerns about the vaccine that they're very rational concerns it I has do too. there are some very weird side effects i had weird side I, effects yes i i was on my butt for two days with odd feelings my boyfriend kept flushing bright red and then draining white when he got his mm. He, it was like watching him turn into a cuttlefish, like how they'll they'll flash. <laughs> I felt so bad for him because I kept thinking he was must be feeling horrible. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm just he would just turn red and then drain white over wow. and over. It was the strangest thing. And like it wasn't tied to like a chill and a fever or anything. It just. Well, the, see, when the I do that, I'm having a hot flash, but that's normal. The vaccine, like COVID, does something to our blood. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything sinister about it. 
I mean, we were talking earlier about millionaires. They don't want to kill off the population. They're, they're the people who, you know, they lord over and make money from, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. they're, they're all about, you know, getting the population to do what they want. It's not, you know, there, there's no benefit for them to kill us off. Right. Which is why, you know, Fox's model <laughs> at the moment is a little puzzling. <laughs> We're yeah. expecting rationality from non-rational actors in this case. <laughs> People should just not believe anything they get from mainstream news because it's all biased. Yes. And, and, I, and I think the last study I saw said that CNN was actually the most neutral, but also the worst news network. Right. <laughs> Just, uh, this is my personal hobby horse, which is I'm a history person. I'm like going to school for this and everything. And it's like, you can, in fact, piece through, take, pick through and like recognize that things have bias, find the bias, read multiple sources, and then piece together the closest thing to truth that you can. Yeah. And that's what you're supposed to do. But most people haven't had that beaten into them since day one of college. No, and it's a lot of work, too. It is. It's a lot of work. And it's work that is, to an extent, unwarranted in their minds. Because you shouldn't have to do all this work. The newspaper should tell you the truth. Granted, newspapers were started by, like, corporations and special interests to push their narrative way back in the day. Yellow journalism, anyone? Yellow journalism? Again, not everybody knows that. Yeah. But I, I, th- I think at this point, part of the thing is that the powers that be, whoever you want to believe that is, they know how to manipulate people so well. Yes. They have experimented so much on how to make people think what they want them to think. And, you know, it's it, it seems like there's two sides, but there's really only the two sides are really them and us. Yeah, they're manipulating the thing. Sure, they want power, but one of them's always going to have power. So it's just a matter of trading it off. As long as we don't rise up against them, they're fine. Yeah, yeah. And everybody is susceptible to that manipulation. Yes, yes, they like are. Every single person. And they are very freaking good at it. Oh God, yes. They've had ages to perfect it, and now they have really good technology and algorithms and yeah. money yep. <laughs> and time. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and it's always funny to me when people are like, they're going to put a tracking device in the, in the vaccine. You and it's like one in your pocket. Exactly. Oh it's like, God. actually you're, you're paying to carry a, a tracking device around that can hear everything you say. And I don't care what people say. Your phone does listen to you. No, oh, it, it does. of course it does. Like, Again, there we're paranoid are, people, but there's a reason. <laughs> like, and everybody is like, oh, it only listens to you for keywords and all this. I'm like, no, because I will say something, not look it up anywhere. I will say something and immediately get an ad for it. Right, right. Like, well, consistently. Also, yeah, and it's, but it's not like there's somebody listening to No. Them. But if they wanted not. to, they could. That's the thing. Yeah. That's why I don't have that Alexa thing in my house. Right. Right. Whoever Jeff Bezos need to listen to people's houses. I don't want that person listening to my house. Yeah, but mom, you have a you have a smart TV. You're already screwed. Mm, No, that it's that's been turned off. We turned that off immediately. 
remember paranoid house okay we you're still i i know there's probably a backup in there but <laughs> I, I mean, don't have an alexa because i think that it's mildly creepy that your house would talk to you well i don't like that either I, I just i don't see the need for it that too like i maybe i'm just not that tech savvy and I, I love technology, but Alexa was not one of those things where I was like, yeah, that's really cool. It's like, why would you want that? The only way I want something like that is if my whole house is a smart house and I don't tell the person who's house sitting for me and then I remote control things from, <laughs> from, from afar. Or ice comes that out would be ice maker awesome. for no reason. <laughs> so I got sounds, TV turns itself on and off. Exactly. Game so I can channel. make a haunted house from my phone. So... My radio station has been uh, basically closed since COVID. Uh, and we used to have live bands play every weekend uh, on, live on the show. And so we've been pre-recording the show, and I finally got tired of them still being completely closed. And I converted one of the buildings on my property into a small performance studio so we can just live stream it. And one of the, you know, we got a bunch of donations, and I went, okay, I need lights and I'm in Lowe's and I see smart lights and I'm like, well, they're really bright. They're like 10,000 lumen LEDs. I'm like, I don't really know if I care about the smart stuff. The smart stuff is actually pretty cool because you can control the lights from your phone. So someone will be in there and I'll just turn the light off from outside <laughs> the building. And they'll be like, what just happened? Why are the lights on? <laughs> see, that, that would be so fun. And I'm like, okay, there's more, there's more good uses for this because you can change the brightness, the the color of it and stuff. And I'll just sit there doing it and people will be like, what's happening right now? <laughs> See, it's just like the movie Gaslight. You can mess with these people. <laughs> no, I didn't touch anything. <laughs> I had, I remember years ago when VCRs were still a thing, I had gotten a VCR. This was near the end of, of the VCRs still being a thing. Um, I got a VCR that had commercial skip on it I and how commercial, yeah. And how that worked is that commercials actually pre send out a slightly different signal than TV shows. Yep. So after it got done recording something for you, it would go down and mark the spots on the tape where there were commercials. So when you rewatched it, it would automatically fast forward the commercial, but it wasn't something that most people knew about. I mean, it was kind of an obscure feature. Yeah. And, uh, I had a friend over and we're watching like the Simpsons and it starts fast forwarding. And I went, Oh, commercial skip. And he looked at me and went, what? And I'm like, commercial skip. I don't have to do anything. He's like, yeah, bullshit. And I'm <laughs> like, no, seriously. And he would not believe me until I rewound it, handed him the remote and watched it, you know, fast forward on his own. he's like, son of a bitch. I want this. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I remember that feature feature. That was awesome. Yeah, it came kind of at the end. Yeah, you know? it was. We didn't Before end up getting one stuff. because, yeah, yeah, we we got the we got the DVDs. And and like I said, I like I like technology. I think technology is awesome. I think it's definitely uh, you know people talk about the vaccine. We don't know what's going to happen ten years from now with all the electromagnetic fields we're exposed to. <laughs> And all this stuff, it's kind of like, yeah, we also don't know the results of that, but you have no problem buying a new phone, you know? Yeah, for real. I think everybody's selective Yeah, yeah. about what they're going to, what new thing is going to be scary versus what new thing isn't going to be scary. 
And I think it comes down to the benefit to you, you know? Yeah, yeah. the benefit and the marketing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And again, that's something that these companies are are masters of. Some of them more than others. I mean, Apple are brilliant when it comes to marketing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not particularly a, an Apple fan, but I understand why people become so loyal to them because they market. I mean, they're they're masters of it. Yeah, they are. I I, I use uh, what used to be Sony Vegas. It's now been bought by Magics. But uh, for video editing and a few years ago, a couple of years ago, a new version of uh, the Apple software came out that everyone likes um, Final Cut Pro. Yeah. And there was a whole article on all the new features. And I went, well, I'm kind of curious what the new features are. And I'm reading the new features going, I've been able to do this for 10 years. <laughs> I've been able to do that for 10 years. And there was like one feature that I couldn't do that I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's not a make or break thing, but I mean, that's a cool thing. I'm sure Vegas will have it soon. But all this other stuff that was new was stuff that I could, I've been able to do forever. And I'm like, you couldn't do this? And then I'm looking at the comments and the comments are all people who are Big Mac people going, and this is why Apple's the number one, you know, video editor. And this is why, you know, and I'm like, you people are so blinded by the marketing that you don't realize that this stuff has been available to PC people forever. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's bad software. I'm just saying like, it's not as good as they think it is because it is actually more limited. Yeah. Like, I think one of the things is you could edit different uh, video formats on the same timeline. And I'm like, you mean you couldn't? <laughs> I could do that back in 2003. I don't know why you couldn't. Yeah. I'm just imagining you like looking at like your screen. So puzzled. Why? Like, What do you mean? And I took, you know, and I honestly was curious thinking, well, maybe I'm missing out. Maybe this has some features that is going to make me turn toward Mac. And I'm like, so you're basically catching up, but you have great marketing. Yeah. You know how to install instill brand loyalty and well, people people start with you know a computer that they know and understand and like and they learn that system and then they want to stay with it oh absolutely and then there's me who started with mac and then when i was in college the first time and then got rid of that at some point and now my next computer is a pc and i am equally happy with both because I used both at different times in my life. I actually think I've switched three times. times. Yeah. I think I did PC, Mac, PC. And and it's not like one sucks and the other doesn't. That's no. It's no. a lot of the same parts. I mean, the, the overall balance is kind of just a preference. Yeah. But marketing is a major decision driving force in society now. Like... Marketing, I, I, marketing I think comes back. into the paranormal too. Yes. 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 I think back to the first time somebody at the market, like in middle in the Middle Ages, like came up with putting icing on cake or something, and just suddenly the night everybody else is doing icing on cake, and then somebody figured out colored icing, and that person sold all the cake because right. theirs was so much cooler looking, even though it was the same <laughs> stuff just with some berry juice to give it color. 
like yeah or, half, or, or beef juice food, or something you know half, half the food we eat now is not the color it actually is right oh i know i know it's like oh we had to add this stuff in it to make it look more appealing yeah yep it doesn't change the taste it might actually make it worse for you but hey it looks better now red velvet cake does taste different because you have so much food coloring in it i didn't say really? it tasted better but it does <laughs> taste different there's a slight bitterness that that red food coloring puts in because huh. it's basically a light chocolate cake and it's darkened by that food coloring and that bitterness changes the chocolate flavor slightly and it's probably bad for you <laughs> well yeah, it's also cake so it's probably not good for cake well, is I mean, it's, not it's good starting for out bad for you anyway yeah <laughs> but that cream cheese icing is awesome i'm just <laughs> i'm there for the cream cheese icing <laughs> Uh, but yes, I mean, our world is based around marketing. Yeah. It really is. It's it's marketing and propaganda and it and and creating divides between mm -hmm. people rather than bringing people together. And that mm -hmm. and that's across everything. Well, if we're yeah. competing with each other for various things, resources and attention, attention. and yeah. um you know, money, then we're not going after the people who actually are holding people down. Right. Right. Or getting together and going, does it matter if we use a PC or a Mac? Do we yeah. really need either? <laughs> right. Uh -oh. oh my God. <laughs> and then not caring what we buy. You revolutionary, you, you terrible, terrible communist. <laughs> Apparently, there is a thing where Mac people will make PC people feel bad about not being Mac people. Oh, that's weird. I was just reading about this, and it's like, and people are like complaining, like that that you know they'll go to like a family gathering and they'll all have Macs and they'll have an Android phone or a PC or whatever, and they'll make them feel bad about it. They'll shame that's them for so it. And it's weird. like weird. Exactly, and I'm like. And, Really, why would you even care? Like, why would you feel shame for not having an iPhone? You know? It, it, see, now at that point, there's so many other ways for families to dysfunction that are cooler. <laughs> right. yeah. He's got a point. I Although mean, at the same at the same time, maybe that's a really harmless way for families to dysfunction. Okay, that true. okay that's you you know. It's better than having yeah. drunk uncle fights at Thanksgiving on the front lawn. <laughs> oh my god, yes. That sounds yes. like a personal experience from you. <laughs> we did grow up in West Virginia. I'm just, just saying. Speaking of divides, half the family was um, more Irish Catholic and the other half was German Protestant. And they were equally divided on Republican versus Democratic lines. Actually, we and only had one Republican uncle. We had one and we all had to talk. He ganged, everybody he, got ganged up on. Yeah, before he showed up. So yeah, and alcohol was out. a big part of, of family get togethers, um, yeah. but drunk uncles. Yeah. That, that was, that's a thing. Very, <laughs> very Appalachian. And it just, <laughs> it's like, I looked at somebody, a friend's uh, Facebook and he had this really great um, glass plate photograph of members of his family from, you know, back in like, I don't know, 1910. And they're, on a model T Ford, it looked like they're all sitting on it and they had 
shotguns with them and they had a, a, a dog with them. And, you know, I look at that and I'm like, oh, wow, bootleggers. They were hunting. <laughs> and, and I realized and I had to say, you know, I looked at this and was like, oh, look, bootleggers. And then I realized, no, honey, honey, this isn't your reprobate family. It's nice people. <laughs> Our people are not nice people. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and, it, and it's hard to get people to, to understand other people's viewpoints. And that's that's one of the main things our culture has that's getting worse rather than better. Mm -hmm. Like everyone thinks they're right. Everyone thinks their belief is fact. Um, yeah. And that's... Know, how many, how many shows I've done where, where someone will comment, especially on YouTube, where they're just like, oh, well, I can tell you everything that's going on. This is what's happening. And this is the yes. fact. It's like, yes, you oh don't my understand God. the difference between belief and facts. Yes. Drives, drives me absolutely crazy. I just saw a meme that had three, it was three petroglyphs from three different parts of the world, um, three different cultures three different dates as to when they were, you know, produced, but they were virtually the same figure. Now right. I did not go and do reverse Google search the images to see if they were actually tagged correctly. What I was responding to was this one woman said, well, we don't know that these are the same. These have the same meaning because they're different cultures. And so they're going to be viewed from their cultural lens. So it probably has no meaning. And then this other guy is saying, well, we know that it's something that they all saw the same way. And so we know this, you know, and, and they were both wrong because we don't know. Yeah. And so yeah. I basically was like, look, guys, stop saying what you know about these images unless you're stating simply the facts of what they look like. You, right. Unless you have an anthropology degree and you've studied those three cultures extensively, you don't know anything about those images other than what they look like. And you, know said, what you don't know the meaning. You don't know that it does have meaning or doesn't have meaning. And you don't know what that meaning is. But you are allowed to suppose. I yes. was like, but they're interesting that they all look so very much the same and you're yeah. allowed to speculate but a speculation is not a fact right and an opinion right. is not the same as a fact so stop so, saying what you know because you don't and I, and I don't know if it's just because of the internet age but it seems like people don't understand that i mean I'm, I'm guessing people were always like that they just didn't have the the soapbox to get on that is the internet I think the internet's part of it. I also think, actually, I think the internet's a big part of it because back in the day, <laughs> back, back in what? the day, if, we're older than you are. If you were, I just was, I realized I was going to say back in the day and I have to say it in that voice. Yeah, I know. I know. You would be bouncing ideas like this around in person with people. And it's a lot easier in person for people to know who you are. And perhaps what your background was, you know, so, you know, Mo the plumber 
would be like, well, I think blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. And then his cousin, Jerry, can be like, Mo, dude, you're a plumber, not a rocket scientist. There's no way you know that. But on the internet, you don't know who's who or what their background is. And so it's a lot harder to call bullshit on people. Not only that, but people will put up, say, a YouTube video and they'll state their facts. And then people watch that YouTube video who don't know anything. And they're like, oh, I saw on YouTube that this and, you know, and it's like as if being on YouTube gives it some validity. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the old. Well, I saw it on TV. Yes. Well, I read it. I read it in the paper. Name of that newspaper, the Inquirer. Well, (laughs) yeah. And it turns out that the Inquirer occasionally did run real stories. Oh, they did. Uh, that was a big joke in journalism school back in the day that, you know, like something like 5% of their stories were genuine. Yeah. Weekly world news though. They always just made that stuff up. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, they were a blast. That boy boy was totally not a thing. (laughs) But the thing is really not my cousin. It's not a thing. (laughs) You knew weekly world news was going to do that. So yeah. yeah. I would look forward to being in a, in a grocery line and, and looking at the weekly world news. You Same. Know? I miss. I was so sad when they went just to the internet. <laughs> I missed that. Oh. I, I wanted to get an old VW bus and uh, decoupage uh, weekly world news clippings and photographs all over the thing, but, and, and I never did it. So I guess it'll never happen. And you could do the 40 in times. True. I could. The, the, the other thing is that people seem to want easy answers and life isn't, you know, like, especially when you're dealing with the paranormal, there's so many factors and people want to just like, well, just tell us what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, we, we don't know what it is. That's the whole thing that makes this interesting is that we're dealing with something that we genuinely don't know. What, I mean, we don't know what reality is. We don't know what life and death are. And we certainly don't know what this thing interacting with us is. And we're not even really sure what consciousness is. So No, we're not sure at all what consciousness is, only that we know we're experiencing it. The paranormal has... It, the paranormal can't be answered by either of our two big modes of answering science and religion. Right. And so people struggle at that point because we don't, for so long, religion was our framework for everything. Mm -hmm. And then science supplanted religion gradually and became our framework for everything. And now it is our big framework, but neither of them can answer all the questions about all the parent, about the paranormal all the time. Or about general or about life or about anything. (laughs) Yeah. And we're left to our own devices to come up with what makes the most sense to us. And with science, too, I mean, the scientific method is a very valuable tool, but science is a corrupted by money because Mm -hmm. you have people who need to kind of follow the status quo so they can continue to get their funding, which is not how science should work. B, you have the people who are just like this religion of science. Like, oh, science explains everything. We don't, you know, that's it. We're done. And science explains some materialism, materialistic things about the natural world. It's really good at that. And it's constantly changing. And you'll get the, the Church of Science people who will acknowledge this, but then 
won't acknowledge that science doesn't know certain things. It's like, well, it wouldn't be changing if it knew everything, you know? Yeah. Which is weird because if you were really going to be Church of Science, you would be like, and it's so cool that we don't know everything <laughs> and that science changes. Yeah. That that should be a feature, not a bug. That the, should the, be the good part of it, you know, the exciting part of it. And and the fact that like you look at say dark matter and you look at psi research and we know we have no evidence for dark matter, none. We have tons of evidence for psi, but yet which one is accepted and talked about like it's mm -hmm. real? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There, there is so much evidence that psi is is an actual thing. It is a part of reality, and it works under a fair number of circumstances. Right. If it was any other subject, we would have enough evidence that science would go, okay, it's a thing. Yeah. But it's that, it's the damned facts facts as uh charles as fort would say yeah. those are the damned facts that the facts that refuse to go away but science is just really really good at saying things like uh extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence and i'm like how much extraordinary evidence do you i mean how much extraordinary evidence do you need <laughs> really exactly. stop changing the goalpost dude that's not and how you play the football and the only thing that makes it extraordinary claims are that they don't want to accept them. Yeah. 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 Because it disagrees with an extremely materialistic worldview that right. science was framed as and developed as that there's for no so long. Because philosophy was the floaty, silly, airy-fairy thing. And then science was we're going to study and measure and pick apart and dissect. Right. And do all this. And also, psi is too much like magic, which is too much like religion, and we just can't have that. <laughs> and that, and that right. comes down to the whole fight between science and religion. I mean, why why uh, scientists denied the, the evidence of a flood for so long? Well, because it's mentioned in the Bible, and you don't want to acknowledge that things in the Bible might have historical fact. Yeah, which is so weird to me because it's nothing but a very, very, it's a repeatedly translated, edited, and chopped up source document. It, well, when science was in its infancy, in, in infancy, though, it was trying to get a, a hold on the public. <clears throat> and the last yeah. thing they wanted to do is say, okay, well, the Bible got this right because then the, the, the Bible thumpers would have been like, see, you don't need science. That's true. It's all the Bible. <laughs> Science also probably had a grudge from, you know, that whole Galileo thing. Oh, of course. With yeah. the church. And I can't blame him for that. The church was super wrong on that one. Absolutely. Giordino Bruno being burnt at the stake and all that. That's not cool. So, I mean, they, they've kind of created this wall against, you know, anything that even reeks of religion or acknowledging that anything in the Bible could be right. I mean, they yeah. still don't really acknowledge the flood. They're still kind of like, no, nah, there really wasn't a flood, you know. What's interesting is they, I have heard um, recognition of, oh, Lord, I'm getting tired, Mom. Which, which the, the word? Which? Creation story. Oh. Her heroic story. Oh, Gilgamesh? Gilgamesh, thank you. Yeah. They will acknowledge the flood from Gilgamesh's epic sometimes. But they'll still try to maintain it's a local flood. 
Yeah, but it's a local flood. Well, but it was a local flood to where everybody was living. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everybody that, that, you know, wrote and read the Epic of Gilgamesh and, oh, the Old Testament, were all living in this quote-unquote local area. It was a fairly big local area. You know, when you think about the Fertile Crescent, it sounds like, you know, oh, a little crescent roll. It's a little thing. It's not that big. Eh, It's actually really big. (laughs) So for the people of the Near East at that time, that was a big thing. That was the end of the world. And it probably was a worldwide flood because, I mean, the evidence is that the, the, the masses of ice in Europe and the Americas. Yeah, it, it released all at once. Well, we'll the find water out. Has to we'll go somewhere. <laughs> yes, we will find out. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> we're we're losing all of our ice, so we'll find out. Thanks for that. Yeah, but that that's happening slowly. I mean, this was you know, yeah. there was a, it was a giant lake of all ice melt over North America. That when the ice dams broke, it raised the the sea level around the world like a hundred or hundred and fifty feet, and all that water poured into the Atlantic at once. So yeah. you had earthquakes, you had tidal waves, you had all this stuff happening, which had to have been the end of the world for these people. And oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. many of them were likely living on the coast and we're now underwater and we don't even know they're there. You know, like those people in Florida. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why I don't live in Florida. I'm just saying. That and the alligators. No, I don't like those guys either. No. And and you get so many, you know, undersea ruins that yeah. science just goes, oh, that's nothing. It's like, right, okay. The roads in in um the around the Caribbean, the oh, Bimini stone. Road, and all that, yeah. yeah, all that. Every so often, people. What I find interesting also is that it's acceptable to look for Troy. But not Atlantis. Right. Yeah. Actually, they've probably figured out that Atlantis is around Crete. It's in that. It's in yeah, but that general, it still doesn't fit decision. all the. It doesn't fit all the the criteria. That's what no, I'm talking about. That. Uh, I mean, what Plato is probably talking about is a worldwide civilization that existed during the last ice age. Yeah. I mean, the numbers are too coincidental. Like the Crete thing, you have to change all the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Yet, if you look at when he said this happened, it would have happened right at the end of the last ice age when the giant melts happened, whatever caused them. So the Atlantis story is probably true to some degree, like whether he mythologized, mythologized, that's a cool word. (laughs) (laughs) We are not speaking very well. (laughs) So, I mean, like, yes, it was also an advanced civilization at Crete. The Minoans were very advanced for the time. Oh, yeah. But I'm thinking there was probably something way more advanced that was pretty much completely wiped out, that we see remnants of it in places like Gobekli Tepe and the the Sphinx. And also, the, the Minoans would have been a known thing. Yes, that's the other thing. To the people of Crete. Like, it wouldn't have been like, oh, they're these dramatically different, oh, near godlike beings of advancedness. I'm like, no, they would, they'd be like, oh, it's the Minoans. Right, exactly. <laughs> Ancient <laughs> peoples weren't stupid. But that's, that's kind of science's like, we'll meet you halfway. Yeah, Atlantis existed, yeah. but it was really the Minoans, you know? And that's fair. 
I, I'm glad there's at least some attempts <laughs> at meeting halfway. <laughs> Even if it does, you know, hinge on the, the mild fallacy that ancient peoples were dumb and didn't know what they were looking at. Right, right. Okay, which frustrates me. Since we're on the topic of Atlantis, d- d- do things still happen in the Bermuda Triangle? <laughs> I'm sure they do. We has has anybody heard of it? Has it has it happened? I I think the thing is the Bermuda Triangle is one of those areas that has weird magnetics. Uh, occasionally weird stuff happens there, but probably most of it's not actually weird. It's just where cross currents hit, and you get things like rogue waves a lot. Yeah. And so it's just kind of fallen out of favor for the moment. Yeah. I always love the remember. meme that's. I always love the meme that says something like, I always thought the Bermuda Triangle would figure more prominently in my adult life. <laughs> it's like mom and the volcano in the backyard. Yeah, I don't still don't like that story, man. The it's what? the story about the kid in Mexico who went out in his backyard and there was a damned volcano popping up. She, she got Kids National Geographic as a kid and this story freaked her out and incidentally freaked my Aunt Kendra out too at the same age. Yeah. And so they were, they're both constantly nervous as children about the volcano in the backyard that yep. would just erupt one every, day. Every day. Is Wasn't it a, a small no. volcano? It was. Yeah. I read a volcano and thought it was cool. Small. This is the difference between my mom and me. I'm like, yeah, I want a volcano in the backyard. And she's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, but mm. she'll chase after the little lights and like go to get lost in the woods and go after Bigfoot and stuff. And I choose cowardice as a survival strategy. But you'll take the volcano. <laughs> but I'll take the volcano. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I feel like the Bermuda Triangle, like I said, I think there's there are some weird weather things going on there that tend to cause ships to crash or sink and uh, planes to go down. But there's also a, a number of weird stories of like time slips. Yeah, I, that's. Mm-hmm. I think that might have to do with something in the Earth, something magnetic or, you know, something that actually can affect uh, what we think of as time and how we perceive it. It's just the Cthulhu sleeping under the waves there. That also could be. It's just waiting. (laughs) There's a bubble of time displacement over him. You also have time displacement things in other areas. It's not only in the triangle or the devil triangle. So it's just, I think that area, because of all the the disappearances, you know, just got that, that notoriety. Yeah. And it got spread by newspapers, sure. Which, oh yeah, helped. It became it became an early meme, right? Yeah. Right. Well, like, like in the consciousness. Are there weird things going on there? Probably, but there's weird things going on in a lot of places. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you at this point, we've got weirdo stuff happening everywhere. You know, and, and probably always have. And and this was one of my issues with the missing four one one stuff from Polites is that. He's like listing all these weird disappearances. It's like most of these are probably not weird. Right. It's like, yes, there's some in here that are really weird. Like, And that's what I, I read. I've read almost all of his books. And I was like, some of these are super weird. Some of these are probably a serial killer. Or just people. Yeah. Or just people falling. You know, if, like, if you don't have enough information, especially if someone went missing a year ago and then you find their remains. I mean, any number of things could have happened. Yep. And hypothermia people visit national parks who are not necessarily wilderness people. Yep. And you never like know quite frequently. 
So I, I think first lots time, of people are not wilderness people who go true. out into the wilderness. First time I had him on, I said, I think most of these probably have prosaic explanations. We just don't have enough information. But some of these, some of these are really weird, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are super creepy. And they're also, you know, echoed in folklore. And yep. the blonde haired children that consistently go missing. I'm like, okay, that fits into fairy lore. The berry pickers fit into fairy lore. Yep. Yep. So it's like, it's not new. It's just, you're grouping too much stuff together. Again, you're, it's that, you're it's that muddy, it's that muddy evidence. Yeah. And I don't think he actually wants a solution because, you know, that's his bread and butter at this point. Well, yeah. So it's easier to keep it muddied and not accept that, yeah, there are probably prosaic explanations here. Some of which are probably murder. Yes. Oh, I'm sure they are. You are just a ray of sunshine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Some of them are totally people got murdered. Like yeah. I watched The Hunted and one, the nice old man, the first case that goes missing, that dude was killed by somebody. Yeah, I kind of think that too. Like that's why they heard a car door slam. Right. Yeah. Was because somebody upped and popped him somehow and got back in their car and drove away with them in the trunk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, lots of people go missing. So, yeah. you know, and most of it's probably foul play or they're just, they want to go missing. Yeah. And that's the other one is, is sometimes people do want to just disappear. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, there's just too much thrown in there. Like the Bermuda Triangle, it's like you're including stuff that's probably not weird, which makes it really hard to figure out what the weird stuff is. Yes. Yeah. And the meaning of the weird stuff. Yeah. If there is meaning. And David has such a cult following at this point that if you say anything other than what he's saying, it's like, oh, you hate David Politis. And it's like, no. I've yeah. I've been saying this from day one when David was on the show. I think his books are interesting. I really do. Um, and I think that they can be thought provoking, but sure. I, I do agree that his classification system is rather broad. Yes. Yeah. I have a question. Have you found a correlation with cattle mutilations and some of his disappearances of people? I've never Morgana. really looked, but I don't think I don't think there is. Any. Oh, me? Yeah, because um, you you were um, doing, well. Aside, you two. I mean, both of you. Aside from the 2019 cattle mutilations in Oregon, where a person, a missing person who'd been gone for a while, for like four years, his bones turned up the same week. No, I haven't found mm. more. Okay. But that was I think that was just an odd synchronicity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cattle mutilations aren't happening in state parks generally either. No. <laughs> no, although some of them happen on uh public land because of course people graze their cattle on right. uh BLM land, so Bureau of Land Management, not Black Lives Matter. I just realized I was not clear at all. And there are some people who are going to go, what? <laughs> um, 
the the cattle mutilation thing is just weird because it seems like it's probably some governmental agency. But again, then you have the weird ones where you're like, except that one. What's going on with yep. that one? Yeah. <laughs> what about that one where where all the bones are broken like it was dropped from like a hundred and some feet? What what's yep. that in the middle of a flat field? And UFOs are seen in near them sometimes, right. which is odd. And or and people you, see helicopters that don't make a sound. Yeah. Well that that, that could be technology we don't yeah, know. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. That could be, but then you have to go, why, why is it a federal agency messing with cows? And I'm like, hmm, probably from all the radiation testing and possibly for a new strain of hoof and mouth disease that we don't know what it is yet. And maybe some anthrax. Right. But then I, then I, then I start wandering into conspiracy corner. (laughs) (laughs) And And then you have to say, okay, so if there is a real weirdness here and part of it's not weird, which one is mimicking the other? Exactly. And then, then and how can you tell the difference? Yep. Then crop it's all circle. complicated. Crop circles, same thing, because there have been reports of crop circles. Even the two guys who claimed they were making all of them, which was a ridiculous claim, um, when they were asked where they came up with the idea, they said, oh, the saucer nests we used to have back in, you know, in Australia where we grew up. Yeah. It's like, so you mean the crop circles in Australia? Okay. Yeah. And you, you got have, the idea from a phenomenon well, that was created by something else. So it's like you have you have genuine crop circles, it seems like, and then you have a bulk of them that are just made by circle makers who are also having weird experiences while making them. Yeah. <laughs> like there's there's not this line between like paranormal and normal. Like it just kind yeah. of blurs. And but there's I, not a line between genuine phenomena and hoaxes. Right. It, it's a right. it's a continuum, and weird stuff happens all along there. And and again, hoaxes are part of the whole phenomena. I really right. think that. Well, and you know, I mean, there's also that fake it till you make it type of thing. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure. Uh, you know, witch doctors and different. You know. Uh, cultures would fake some kind of, you know, healing thing just to get the people to believe it to work as a placebo effect and then maybe actually do some energy work at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, you know, that's a fairly well studied phenomena. Right. And, and you have like someone like Yuri Geller who's going out on national television doing these tricks and you have James Randi going, oh, he's using this sleight of hand. And it's like, oh, he might be, but that doesn't mean he is. And it doesn't mean he can't actually do this stuff. You know, but if you're going to be on national television, you certainly don't want to flop. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of like it kind of goes hand in hand. Sometimes you probably have to fake it. There could be, I'm sure there are genuine psychics out there who do psychic readings and someone comes into their shop and they just think, I got nothing. Cold reading. Yeah, I'm just going to cold read this person because I'm not picking up anything. You know, it's funny. When I used to read tarot cards for people, I always told them at the very beginning, I was like, okay, if you go to a reader and they tell you that, that they don't know what cold reading is and they don't do it and all of this, they're full of crap. (laughs) <laughs> because I'll tell you the truth, I do it. Um, because you can't help but do that oh, as yeah. you're reading. Because I'm looking at your face. 
Yep. And I'm reading all the cues on your face in addition to what's on the cards. And that's just how it is. And if you have someone telling you things like, uh, no, I, 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 I don't even know what that means. And they, then they tell you that you're cursed or something and they need extra money to right. remove the curse. Y- you got somebody that you don't need to be reading for you. Yeah. And I will not read for you more than once a month because nothing is going to change unless you're in the middle of a huge existential crisis. In which you know. case, maybe don't come to the card reader. Yeah, maybe help. you should go to the therapist. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, or the domestic violence shelter or some things like that. Um, yeah. Well, some, sometimes people just want to be told things will be getting better, but they don't want to actually make the changes that will make that happen. Yes. Yeah. That's sometimes when people turn to things like psychics. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. And I think as long as you're aware of that going in as a client and the psychic is aware of that as a professional, it can be a perfectly rewarding professional relationship Yeah, for all people concerned. Yeah. But sometimes you get, like all things in life, sometimes you get assholes. <laughs> True. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's always been a profession for con people, certainly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Although I will say the one thing, the one of the most valuable things I got out of reading for the general public for a span of about three, maybe four years was I learned that no matter what culture you're from, humans are the same and they want the same things and they have the same hopes and fears. Mm hmm. And it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. You want to be loved. You want to be approved of. You want to make a difference in the world. And you want to get along. You know, that's, that's pretty much it. And, you, and- you, you want a moderate amount of happiness. And you don't want to do the wrong thing. I mean, that's really the the big things. And I got a lot of international students at OU coming to me because, you know, they were coming from cultures where fortune tellers were normal. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, oh, my God, this kid's from Africa. This kid's from the Philippines. This kid's from Singapore. This kid's Japanese. Um, you know, I've got people from Eastern Europe. I've got people from England and you know, they all want the same thing. Yeah. The same things. And I was just like, really? And, and I, I just finally started telling people it's like, look, it, cause you know, they'd be like, Oh, this is, you know, this is so difficult. You know, y- you must hear all of the tragedies and everything. And I'm like, you know what? Everybody, it's the same story here being told to me over and over. And, and everybody just wants the same thing. And if the one thing that I hope all of you take away from me is be kind to yourself, be kind to other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just understand that everybody is basically the same. And that's the thing. I find that the the current environment focuses on the few things we look at differently and then makes a big deal out of them. When at heart, most people 
yeah, they're very similar. They're more similar than they are different. You know, and and that could be from believers to non-believers to, you know, politics, whatever it is. There's more similarity between people than there are differences, but the culture around us has learned to amplify those differences as if they're the only important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, if you interact on a personal level, and this is why if I could do one thing, it would be to host a traveling dinner and just have people who don't know each other and may not get along just sit down and eat dinner together. I feel like they would talk (laughs) because if you deal with people on a personal level, you tend to focus on the similarities, not the differences. True. Yeah. And I'll find, you know, like uh, I deal with all kinds of people doing computer work from, from ultra right to ultra left. And as long as someone's not a super extremist, like, so I'll go into someone who's, you know, very clearly a Republican and we'll get talking and I'll say, well, I think we're civilized enough that everyone should have medical care, you know, food, shelter, you know, these, these should be basic things that are taken care of. And they'll be like, yeah, I agree. And I'm like, I think we agree so much more than you think we do. Yeah. That- you know, I'm, I'm very much in the center of all this stuff. And I just look at it. It's like, yeah. So the people on the left, the people on the right, they all want the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But the people who, you know, at the top, right. <laughs> they, they want to keep us apart. I, I, I went to a family meeting in Reno, Nevada, which I did not want to go to, but I, I had to go to. So I did. And, on the plane, there was a, the lady I was sitting next to was a Republican, and she was really worried about Hillary Clinton uh, winning the election. Mm-hmm. I was really worried about her not winning the election. And uh, but, you know, we talked and I, you know, she was talking about the state of education and how it was screwed up because she was a teacher for years and years and years. And I was like, oh yeah, it's a mess and blah, blah, blah. And we're talking about this and talking about that. And she said something about liberals. I don't remember exactly how she went, but you know, they have these strange ideas. I said, you know, the liberals don't have ideas that are that strange. No, nor are they one single entity. Uh, yes. I was like, actually, you know, you can't really get liberals to agree on much of anything, honestly. Um, <laughs> It's like herding cats. And I basically said, look, all we want is for people to be taken care of decently. You know, right. we want everybody to have food, clothing and shelter, health care and education. And we want all humans to be treated as humans. It's not that hard. You know, that's that's what we want. We want human rights for everybody. And we want everybody, because they have human rights, to also be cared for in a way that is humane. Right. And and she looked at me, she goes, you're a liberal. And I went, yes. And she was like, I, you just, you sound so sensible. I said, yes, <laughs> because we are. <laughs> I was oh, like, so, and so, you, well, you sound very sensible too. <laughs> sensible. People I feel like you should vote for Hillary Clinton because you agree with her. <laughs> sensible people are found on both sides. That's the thing. It's, yes. it's not one side's good. The other side's bad. Extremism is bad. You know, when you get people that go on the extremes on either side, they're generally going to cause problems more than anything. But other than that, it's just things are framed differently for people. Yeah. Yes. And people, 
people have different horizons of, to their worldview. Right. Mm -hmm. And every, we need, as individuals, we need to be able to adjust our worldview to see somebody else's horizon. So we're at least looking at the same basic picture. Exactly. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not everybody's willing to do that or able to do that or realizes that they need to do it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for myself, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of midline on everything because I like, I, I'm just, I'm one of those people who sees all the different sides. So it's hard for me to pick one. And I think picking a side is part of the problem. So it's like, personally, I'm very much about individual freedom. People should have the right to do what they want to do and they should be left alone about it as long as they're not hurting anyone else. At the same time, I think we owe it to humanity as, as a whole to take care of each other. Yeah. I don't think these are, these are diametrically opposite things. <laughs> they shouldn't be. I don't think they're not, but they are currently. That's yeah. the thing. They are currently, and they shouldn't be. Because if you have compassion for other people, helping other people shouldn't be an issue. And yeah, some people are going to scam the system, but the number of people you help versus the number of people who are scamming the system is vastly on the side of the people who need help. Mm -hmm. It's just like you'd rather believe a liar than exactly. not believe a genuine experiencer. It's the exactly. same philosophy applied just to general life. I mean, how many? How can you do least harm? Right, and how many people could have been fed or gotten med medical help they needed instead of Jeff Bezos going to space? Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast, or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at six djk67 at gmail dot com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.